0: Welcome back to another episode of Modern Commerce. I'm Doug Barnett, along with my co-host, Brant Cho. Howdy, Brant. Howdy, howdy. Hope everybody's doing great out there today. We are, you know, last week's episode was so fun because we got to talk about the NBA. (laughs) So I actually found a way to sneak in my second love into this episode, which we're going to talk about soccer a little bit later. And But mostly, and soccer's going to fit into this, we're talking about media creators, streaming, the shifting landscape. It's a very, very uh, fast-paced and fragile um, economy right now in this space.
1: It's a it's a good time and a bad time to be a creator for sure. It is. It's definitely a good
0: time. Yeah. It's just there is you got to be willing to put up with a lot of uh, change. Yep. So. Um, what is what is the impetus for this topic? Uh, YouTube is obviously focused a lot on YouTube Shorts due to their Chinese competitor, ByteDance, coming in and dominating the U.S. market with TikTok. But where Google has always stood out with creators has been earning potential. That is, it's interesting because even, like, for most of the people that I see on TikTok that are, like, what I would call... You know, creators focused on the platform still are sending people from their TikTok page to their YouTube channel because that is where they actually make their money. So um, we were everybody was kind of waiting for this announcement, but um, from February first on, so as as of um, the first of this month, YouTube is introducing a revenue scheme um, to its Shorts format meaning eligible creators earn 45% share of the revenue from the ads viewed around their shorts while YouTube retains the the remaining 55%. The TikTok creator fund is a 50-50 split, so the TikTok fund is slightly um, better. But here's the difference. Um, To qualify for TikTok, you need to have at least 10,000 followers and 100,000 views in 90 days. On YouTube... You need either, this is what the big change that came out this month, you either need one of two things. You either need 4,000 hours of videos watched across a year or 10 million views on your shorts in the last 90 days. Much higher bar mm-hmm. to qualify for, for YouTube revenue. Um, is this... An actual like arrow that is going to shoot TikTok in the chest? Are people going to be more focused here? What do you think the initial thing that's going to happen from this from this change of creators participating in YouTube Shorts revenue, Brantley?
1: It feels like it's still rooted in like the underlying philosophy of uh, we talked about this a long time ago, actually, of like how TikTok views creators versus YouTube. Yep. YouTube is after like the highest end creators in the world. They want the very best. They want the Mr. Beast to be headlining their platform. Whereas TikTok, you know, from the very beginning thought about like, what is the sort of middle of the creator economy look like? All the people that are, you know, if you think about like the content of TikTok, I always use this example, but. One of the accounts that stuck out to me real early on was um, this guy that started filming himself making his Taco Bell orders. Like he's a Taco Bell employee. Yep. And, you know, he gets like, I think he has like 5 million followers at this point and his videos get millions of views. And it was this type of content that I found really interesting. But the flip side is, it doesn't really have like a ton of ad revenue potential. Yep. It's sort of this weird, like, I don't know. Get a view into other people's lives type of content, but is is feels a little less like uh, I don't know. You can put ads around it, and so I don't know. It it, it feels like there's probably you know if you want to join the TikTok Creator Fund and just kind of get an extra I don't know hundred dollars a month, even though you have a hundred thousand or a million followers or whatever on TikTok, and just kind of have it as yeah I don't know like extra spending money. But it's not a career. Like there, I don't think people are making a full-on career off of TikTok creator fund at this point.
0: So the, I think this is the crux. And by the way, we've had this argument on this podcast before, which was of between Meta, TikTok, and YouTube, who was going to win the creator war. Now, you probably don't remember this because I'm, I'm going to look really good right now. But I voted for Google to win this war Because of this exact reason, and this is kind of what I'm trying to figure out: is do you these middle of the road creators are they okay with that? Take the Taco Bell guy as Mm -hmm. an as an example. He knows he probably needs to keep working at Taco Bell to keep making the content that's producing all this, you know, um, audience for him. But at some point, he's going to want to make a career out of being a creator. And is that drive him to YouTube? Because he does. He's he's not okay with the thousand bucks a month or fifteen hundred bucks a month that he's making on TikTok. Whereas, I think Mr. Beast. I can't remember who Mr. Beast was interviewing, but he said, "Your average video gets about two million views to this creator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How much money is that to you?" It's like, oh, like that's like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a pretty easy choice. What do you think?
1: I, I just think the stakes are different to get that many views on YouTube. Yep. I mean, we're talking typically very difficult. You have to put a lot of production value into it. You also have to like to build up that following. It's not the same game at all. Um, Mr. B's story is he made videos for 10 years. You know, it's not always that. I think that's like a, one of those exaggerated startup stories that everyone likes to latch onto, but yep, like. You're just investing in, like, professional camera equipment. You have to be, like, a somewhat decent video editor. You're just kind of, like, I don't know. There's more, like, rigor that goes into, like, just producing one video.
0: Do you think that that rigor is going to follow to YouTube Shorts? No. So do you think the same problem that TikTok has about basically the creator fund being so paltry that it doesn't really matter is going to be that exact same equation is going to
1: take place on YouTube Shorts? I think like, I mean, I think both companies are basically now trying to go after the others sort of bread and butter. Yeah. So TikTok is, I mean, they already have longer form video on Douyin and they have, um, which is the the, the Chinese equivalent yep. of TikTok. Um, and YouTube is obviously doing shorts, and it's just going to be a game of like who can figure out the other one's business faster. And then, you know, there's all the legal stuff going on with TikTok in the United States. What feels like, you know, this uh, who wins in the United States, it's a little harder to make sense of. What feels significant in ByteDance's defense, at least in China, is the commerce yep. portion. No yep. one's figured that out here. And I, I'm skeptical that anyone will in the same way, just because of cultural differences we've also discussed in the past. So I think there's opportunity for them to still have like a massive business uh, on top of the commerce stuff. But, you know, maybe their content engine in the US does start to slow down.
0: What's interesting is this is actually so like the power of startups. It's incredible that we're having a TikTok versus Google argument. Whereas, meanwhile, over on the side, like you have this person over here waving their hand. It's Meta mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, remember us? We own a massive share of the digital marketing, div- digital advertising revenue." The problem is they're not even a part of the conversation because they've been unwilling to exchange um, those dollars with the, you know, sharing that revenue with their creators. It's interesting because as we put this content this podcast content out onto the the social platforms. The Instagram audience seems to be large. It's big. Um, We get a lot of views, but those views on a per view basis are worth a lot less than a TikTok view, which is worth a lot less than a YouTube Shorts view. And I wonder... One, if they can get the algorithm right. I mean, they, it's clear that they haven't, that, haven't got that figured out. But are they going to, is their stance softening? Are they going to come around and start paying creators? Um, because if that's true, if you actually can start as a creator, start to get some of that Instagram ad revenue and create one piece of content and put it on TikTok, on Reels, and on YouTube Shorts, and you have those three platforms paying you, for your view counts and all those things. Now, you can start to make an argument that shorts is going to start paying off in a major, like short-form content in a major way for these creators because that is replicable. And like you can take one piece of content distributed across multiple platforms, get paid, let's say a $1,500. Well, now you're like, oh, it's five grand a month I'm getting paid. Just, just got to get, I got to... Make sure my content is tailored for those three platforms. Do you think Meta needs to get in the game?
1: Paying out ads, you mean? Paying the creators. Yeah, it's it is hard to, it, it, like Google setting that standard is is a tough thing to overcome. I think for both TikTok and Meta, um, and it does just kind of seems like from reports that you know are starting to come out. Meta is starting to look at this. Um one thing one thing that is interesting to watch over time is I think they saw this content play, like the desire to go get content and creators and th- it looks like from what I can tell they they tried to make a play into this. I don't know, let's say like in 2015, 2014. I started noticing they ha- they released like TV shows on Meta, so I don't know if you ever saw this, but uh, the Ball family, the uh, like LeVar Ball and the Mellow Ball. I definitely didn't see it. Okay. Yeah. But do you know the show they had, Ball and the Family? Yes. So it was a Facebook show. Like yep. You had to go look and find it in Facebook, yep. which was always fascinating to me because even though I went to go watch the show every week, I had to like... You went
0: every week to go yeah. watch the Balls? I did. Was this a low point in your life? Was this, do you question this decision?
1: Um, this would fit in with my watching the Kardashians.
0: <laughs> okay. This is an important po- moment for our audience. <laughs> Brant has watched every single episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Every episode, right? How many True. seasons are there? Uh,
1: I 18? think there was like 18. Yeah.
0: Some, a lot. Not a small number. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and the balls definitely, they're kind of like the male Kardashians.
1: Yeah, and they, they, I, I think they had the same producer or some Oh, really? overlap. So it, that it has sense. that kind of vibe to okay. it. And there was a lot going on at certain points where they just were like popping up in the news all the time. Mm. And it just kind of made for interesting content behind the scenes yeah. stuff. But anyways, it was clear that this content play was very underdeveloped. Like they didn't think through it. Uh, from a product standpoint, Meta has always had this challenge of trying to bolt too many things into one yeah. feed and like Messenger is the same part of Facebook and then they split the apps apart and then they try and mix things together and the the the, the direct the product direction on meta, I would say, has always been a little bit off in terms of cohesiveness. Like you're not you're gonna you're not gonna get like a I don't know, Apple like experience. Yeah. And anyways. They later on after trying to acquire this type of content started to try and get into the gaming sphere. I think they saw Twitch getting all these people that sit down and will legitimately watch someone play video games for eight hours straight. Yep. And it's cultural. It's like, if you haven't ever gone and watched Twitch, people get legitimately mad when the streamers don't stream for longer than like six hours straight. Like they get upset. And so there's all these people out wait, wait, there.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. It's not ready to move on yet. Yeah. They're legitimately excited for six straight hours to watch someone game. Yeah. and I, Like, it, I could pop in, watch something cool for mm-hmm. a few minutes. But, like, that's true for any piece. I don't watch anything for six hours in a row.
1: The diehards will sit there, and it's, like, how they hang out. So there's this chat that goes on on the sidebar, and yeah. people will go and, like, hang out in the chat. Yeah. So like the friends will be in there and many times you don't really even know who these other people are except by their screen name. And yep. Everyone just kind of spits stuff into and the this, chat. This and, is the new chat room. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like on the context of like watching this person entertain and, yep. you know, I think people pop in and out and whatever. But yeah. it's something that they have on like all day long, hmm. just kind of on the background. Um, anyways, I think... Facebook saw this and they decided like, okay, we're going to have our own Twitch basically. Yep. So they launched Facebook gaming. They go out and grab a bunch of the biggest names off of Twitch and have them sign exclusive contracts onto Facebook. Not dissimilar
0: to what Microsoft did. Um, they signed Ninja.
1: Yeah. Microsoft had Mixer, yeah, which Mixer. was very short lived. Yep. And yeah, I, I think, you know, another piece of news that just came out around this is that Microsoft or not Microsoft, but Meta decided to shut down this program. And I think just kind of like being a a gamer myself, it like dealing with the Facebook ecosystem is just like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to spend time there. I'm not trying to like go specifically over to watch my Facebook gamers. Like it's just not how it works. Yep. YouTube's algorithm is so much better when I'm just thinking about lean back content. Yep. I'm not trying to look at other people's updates at the same time. I have the paid version of YouTube and so I don't get ads. I just know I can kind of use YouTube as a replacement for TV. TV yeah. mostly.
0: It's actually not that dissimilar from our conversation last week about Twitter's for you page versus TikTok's for you page. Yeah. And what what is my intention when I'm First of all, I don't log into Facebook. I, I haven't logged into Facebook in years and years. Yeah. But I assume the people that are logging in are looking to interact with their friends, with getting updates, people. It, your newsfeed is very different mindset than I just want to be entertained.
1: Yeah. it Facebook really, I think, is paying the long-term price of their product strategy of just give engineers full access to ship new features via data, engagement data. What what boosts the most engagement? Okay. Yep. If it boosts it, then we'll push it into the app and the engineers have, like, full control. There's not really... It's It feels that way. A cohesive it feels like I'm product strategy. jumping beh- between, you know, 50 different product strategies within one product. Yeah.
0: So you're saying they're getting out of the, they are. the gaming space? Yep.
1: They just announced that they cut 200 <laughs> of their biggest exclusive contracts. So...
0: Is this a is this austerity? Is it like cost cutting or is it strategy shift?
1: It's probably like you were saying in the past with you know where don't don't waste a good crisis. Like I think they kind of saw that these creators were probably not like super happy with yep. the results and yep. the view counts and all that stuff. And also they're paying them a lot of money and also it's distracting a whole team of people to focus on it. So some combination of those It things.
0: is interesting that you bring this up because um, the way that the creator economy works, let's say you do get a fat paycheck from Meta or Microsoft or whatever, but if you're not getting the view counts, you that is not good for your career, even when you're getting the bag. And so it is interesting, um, and now we've seen this play out multiple times, that creators have to be very careful about the, the decisions that they make and if they are not they eventually you kill the you kill the golden goose for a for a golden egg which you don't want to do
1: well even something that's interesting to add on top of this and this is something twitch deals with as well but in the context of facebook gaming you're still allowed to have a youtube like you can have a youtube account mm. and so that all these content creators have these clips channels on YouTube. And then also when they play with other gamers, they get put in all these things. And so a lot of them are still making the majority of their money off of YouTube, even if they are full time on Twitch or full time on Facebook or whatever it is. They just use it honestly kind of similar to how we use the podcast. They use Twitch or Facebook gaming as a spot to just spit out like eight hours worth of content. And then they clip it up, and they make the kind of benefit off of the clips.
0: I also wonder in this moment of austerity, we talk about the, the creator economy. I view this basically through the lens of two views. One is really YouTube revenue. Because the, no one else is really paying what you would call a, an amount of money to the creators, except for the very, very, very top um, that, that is any, that's, that's meaningful. And then the second thing is brand deals. Well, I would say in talking to lots of brands, most brands are cutting back on brand deals for influencers. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The creator economy, if Meta is not careful, is going to become the YouTube economy. And it kind of already is if you factor out the brand deals. That's really what Instagram is all about. And I wonder if Meta, if if they're kind of facing this reality of like, okay, we just need to get in the game um and this is the way that we can make the reels product start to work um we can talk to we can talk to our creators about participating in you know make one piece of content for TikTok reels and YouTube shorts make sure we're getting the engagement and audiences i think if they don't get in the game on this they're in real risk of basically becoming irrelevant
1: yeah and even if you just think about the context of search yes google search Will show mostly YouTube stuff. There's sometimes TikTok there, but like when people go to search stuff, like there's never Facebook videos that That's show up right. there. I, I don't know what their, you know, business deal is there or whatever. But um, people are doing that on TikTok though. Like TikTok has some amount of like search volume just happening within its own app. I am that.
0: For cooking, yeah, TikTok is my search engine. Yeah, period. End of story. Which is kind of crazy to think about. They did it. At least for me, for this, I am a user. That on that one thing, that is where I'm going for information.
1: Oh, and I think we've talked about this before, but they Google has completely ruined its own search results for lots of categories. If basically if it's around getting advice or anything that's sort of objective or subjective, I mean, like you're not. Google is a waste of time. It's a complete waste. Yep. So, yeah, I found myself going to TikTok for more of that type of stuff or people go to Reddit or whatever. But Facebook is just not even, I mean. Not even a part of the equation. Yeah. What are you going to, like, you, I, I, can you even do that on Facebook? Can you search, like, best places to eat in Vegas? or? Something? I can't answer the question because I yeah. never have. Yeah.
0: And I've never read an article about their ability to do that. Yeah. It's this is just it's a fascinating time because this this quote unquote creator economy, or we could even call it the YouTube economy, is changing how the digital platforms, how the social platforms are interacting. But in traditional media, things are moving just as quickly. And um, and by the way, Meta had good earnings. Um, And so it's not all doom and gloom for meta but sometimes it is kind of like you guys are just you're not quite figuring out as fast as everyone thinks you should be figuring things out
1: i, d- I just said a quick test on facebook i typed in best places to eat near me and what do you think the the top result is chick-fil-a <laughs> no <coughs> it's a uh, along that lines it's texas roadhouse incredible
0: that is incredible yep. first of all, it's not even that close yeah uh, so their their results are being gamed as well um so just to pivot a little bit into this kind of the shifting landscape of traditional media, last week we talked about how the NBA is going to be signing a new media deal coming up soon, and who knows who's going to get in on the the bidding could be Apple, could be Amazon, could be Netflix, could be HBO, it could be any of the streaming platforms, could be Disney. Disney is already their partner. Turner is their partner. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we said that their annual media rights are going to go to $8 billion a year, is the estimated amount. The the NFL is the leader with, with $10 billion. And because of that, like the impact on player salaries, um, that it's going to be staggering for many people. In European soccer, which is the main, you know, I the MLS here in the United States is like, I won't even watch it. It's like high school basketball, the equivalent. Um, but European soccer, just instead of basically the trading season, like a trade deadline in the NFL or the NBA, you have the transfer window and the way that trades work in soccer is you buy a player from another team and then you agree personal terms which is their contract with the player so you basically have to do two negotiations you negotiate with the player on their contract and you negotiate with the team that owns their current contract to buy that player from them and what's happened is there are essentially major european soccer leagues in spain england Italy, France, and Germany. So those five. And those five make up, there are others. There's, there's Portugal, there's the Netherlands, there's Belgium. But those are the big five kind of European um, leagues. And each of those leagues has somewhere between 16 and 20 teams in them. Well, the Premier League, which plays in England, has by far the most rich um, media rights deal. And I'm just going to read to you just to give you some idea. So the Premier League has $3.5 billion in annual TV revenue. $3.5 billion. La Liga, which is in Spain, $1.35. Bundesliga, which is in Germany, $1.35. Serie A, which is in Italy, $1.19. And League One, which is in France, is $0.68 billion. So almost the Premier League has as much TV money... As the next three closest combined. And La Liga has Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. These are like the Bundesliga has Bayern Munich, Serie A has Juventus and Inter Milan, like some of the largest clubs in the world play in these leagues. But the lowest teams, like Norwich City or some of these teams at the bottom of the Premier League, are making more money than the top teams in these other. Um, leagues now because of TV money, media, TV rights. And what's happened is that the transfer window closed on the 31st of January yesterday. Today's the first. And the Premier League spent $1 billion purchasing players in the last 30 days. The transfer window was January 1st to January 31st. And it's now closed and spent more money than every other league combined, total. And the other leagues are up in arms saying, this is a scam. This is going to ruin the sport. And so it's interesting that as you look across now, these media rights, this advertising dollars are the things that are driving the entire sports landscape. And the question is, how does this all settle up? Um... Because if it just settles around the Premier League, it changes the entire dynamic of European soccer, where all the best players are going to want to just go to England. Mm -hmm. All the money, the salaries, everything is going to get completely outsized, relevant to everything else. And what's interesting is, do you know, can you name a single business that we've talked to that advertises on linear TV? No, me neither. And it makes me go, hmm. Is any of the businesses that we're talking to on a bi- on a regular basis going to be advertising on Netflix? Probably not. Hulu. No. So the last national advertising campaign that I ran, we we would do in line video. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulu was the major and what's different between Hulu and like traditional TV is you can actually track the clicks yeah. just like you can on digital digital advertising with social platforms and it makes me wonder if if you can bring the businesses that we're working with into the Netflixes into the Hulus into the Apple TV pluses into Amazon which has a massive advertising business already If you can bring those businesses in, I think sports has another jump in it because they're one of the only pieces of content in the world that people tune in for live. Um, That's not recorded, that's not go catch up on YouTube, whatever. That you watch on your own, that you watch with ads mixed in. It feels like sports has a major thing to say In this entire war
1: yeah it's uh a lot of this has to feels like it's like a has to do with scarcity i guess like um you know if you're one of those sports teams that people cares about then you can kind of get away with the forms of advertising that other people can't have have you seen what amazon does actually with nba league pass no so I only watch Leak Pass through Amazon okay. through Prime Video. Okay. It's an add-on. I tried to buy it separately. It's the worst app of all time. I can't watch it's terrible. I, well, I that's keeping up with Leak Pass. I mean, yeah. it's just the worst. But if you if you just have League Pass through Amazon, it's awesome. It's all through Amazon's infrastructure. Mm. So it never has skipped once. Mm. It actually logs
0: in when you log in.
1: It's perfect quality. Yeah, everything. But what's interesting about it is Amazon's targeted ads sit on top of it. And so as I'm watching stuff, it's stuff that is like it's targeted video that Amazon's serving up. Like in commercial breaks? In commercial breaks. Yeah.
0: This is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It just feels like I know everyone is really upset um, that they're being tracked and I know everyone gets really grumpy about it and I know the privacy reasons and the concerns and all that stuff and people don't like I'm all for privacy when you want it but targeted advertising is like one of the greatest things that's ever happened to humanity um, it really is it it's it is it's very very positive in every other way of privacy which we like if we could figure that one like keeping things inside of walled gardens which is i think what apple is attempting to do but man if if that's working for amazon i just wonder if they're going to go really really hard i mean they're already the premier league um in the uk they own the premier league rights in the uk well not all of it but they own a chunk like monday night football as an example they they Own that in the UK, and there are only so many world class sports to go around. And it just makes me—it just—I just just find it so fascinating to think about the power dynamics with athletes. That's basically what they become: is they become content creators through you know these platforms, but they're going to be as rich as Mr. Beast yeah these athletes are because of their ability to produce content that is supported by advertising which uh, businesses are starving to find effective advertising outlets they they can't find enough of them and this whole space it's it's moving so quickly but it is one of the most interesting spaces to think about and I wish that there was an opportunity for more TikToks to get involved, but TikTok is an example that startups can still get in on this. It is not a a, a game. You have to be well funded. You have to have a great product. Um, you know, back when it was, was it called Musically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like took a while, but they got there.
1: Yeah, twenty fourteen.
0: Yep. Um. So, any other thoughts on media creators, digital advertising?
1: I th- yeah I mean it, it's just interesting to think about where this ends up in 10 years from now or, yeah. or longer. I think it's that's about how long it's going to take. Yeah. But I but if you think about where AI and algorithms and all this type of things going well it doesn't it, it it feels like there's a world where the personalization engines get a significant upgrade. I think they're still pretty poor. Yep. All things considered. Yep. I mean, if I just go back to the Amazon thing I was talking about, I keep getting shown ads of this guy standing <laughs> in this like weird underwear that I'd never wear, men's underwear. And he's like standing on top of a rhino and his hair is like flowing in the wind. And it's like, like as stupid. This ad as, is not it's for me. Still, it's so stupid. And I'm never going to buy these things. Yep. But it's showed it to me like 30 times now at this point. Wow. And, you know, there's a lot of that type of stuff. So it's like they have my attention. I have no way to get away from it. Because I'm going to watch this sports game, but they're just still like flubbing the actual recommendation in most cases. But I think part of that also is like we face up against this a lot ourselves with content. The content creators or the brands can't create enough like variation to target certain groups of people in the the way that they want. So they just choose like some generic broad attempt that just is kind of like meh. Or they just try and be funny or they try and do something that you know, might target some niche, but then it doesn't fall on me. And so there's trade-offs with creating this content. But if you think about also creating um, content with all of the the AI tools, I think companies are going to be able to 10x, 100x, 1000x the amount of specific content that they put out onto commercials and onto ad platforms. And then if you combine that with the better recommendation algorithms, I mean, it's going to be... A lot simpler to like then drill down to like a very specific person. Yep. But then with that, you also have the companies that have the most money are gonna be able to do that at the largest volume. And so there's this like consolidation play that probably happens and Well, know. and
0: walled gardens because yeah. who's gonna win the advertising wars? The ones that get to monetize the advertising as well as the the purchase. Yep. And that's kind of weird and kind of stupid to think about as well as like oh is every purchase going to happen through three companies maybe yeah maybe
1: seems seems plausible
0: okay well i hope you enjoyed this episode of modern commerce i think that was a very engaging conversation for us um we look forward to being back with you next week and hope you have a great one see ya